Welcome to Project Chatter, the podcast where PPM experts from various sectors talk about the latest trends. Listen to Val and Dale as they talk about tried and tested best practices and share their unfiltered thoughts about the industry. Whether you're here to learn how to progress your career, improve your project control skills, or just want to hear an Aussie and South African rant about projects, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Project Chatter podcast with your hosts, Dale Fung and Val Matthews. In this episode, we actually go internal and I talk to Dale and Martin about a very interesting subject matter since we come back from holidays, AI and its application in construction and projects, but also this hype around chat GPT. Dale, Martin, what did you think of this episode? Yeah, it's interesting because we've obviously been away. We haven't spoken to each other um, in almost a month, right? Mm. And we've just sort of giving our views and opinions and thoughts and ideas of what's happening currently with AI, particularly in the broader sense, but also how, how it also impacts project delivery. And I think there's a lot that we don't know yet, uh, but I'd be interested to hear what the listeners think. So I'm really, really interested to get feedback on this episode. Martin, what do you reckon? Yeah, as you said, it is such a wide and fascinating subject that I think hopefully our listeners take something from this tonight, but hopefully it's just about being curious, do your own research. There's potential um, wins and losses from this subject. So yeah, do some research. Hopefully tonight has enlightened you in some ways, some good resources that we mentioned on there as well. So yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think what we've, we've, We've come to the conclusion that you know this is this was a light topic discussion, even though it did take us an hour to get around some of these topics. But there is definitely a need for us to kind of dig a little bit deeper with the experts on board. So we are looking forward to to having a debate on AI and and going really deep down the rabbit hole. Yeah, I reckon we should try and get the biggest hitters we can in the space, Val. What do you reckon? Absolutely. See what you can do. You you the magic man, right? <laughs> <laughs> it would be great. It would be great. I'm looking forward be. to it. Yeah. Well, let's leave it there. Folks, as we say, keep listening, keep liking, and keep paying it forward. In today's economic climate, construction cost and schedule overruns can be disastrous. Innate construction software helps you spot risks before they happen. Their cloud-based solutions give you the real-time insights you need to minimize risk and improve operational efficiency. With Innate, you keep projects on schedule and under budget. Get started today at innate.com. That's I-N-E-I-G-H-T.com. Hello, project people. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Project Chatter podcast. I feel like I'm out of a job with uh, Martin doing an excellent job uh, whilst we're on leave, but it's good to see the boys back. Dale, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Lots of vitamin D. Um, we, <laughs> I think we left it in safe hands because I listened back. We did. We need to give Martin uh, amazing kudos for, you know, hosting the past two episodes. So well done, Martin. Top stuff. Oh, you're too kind for once. <laughs> Could do with some of that vitamin D, actually. But <laughs> Oh, we're, we're setting you up, Martin. Don't worry. <laughs> it's coming. Uh, shout out to, 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 to Marco as well and Joe. Um, you guys were awesome too. Uh, I actually haven't finished listening because I've only just got back from holidays. And I think Dale and I were both... Uh, enjoyed a little reprieve and some retreat from from daily podcasts and work and business as usual but 
today is good. So we've got a bit of a relaxed podcast for you, gents and ladies. Um, we're going to go all over the place. Uh, what's happening in the current market, I think, would be a really good place to start, Dale. Yep. And then see what our opinions lead us to. Uh, and uh, hopefully it's entertaining enough for people not to not to skip too much. Um, but Martin, how were the last two episodes, mate? Did you enjoy being the main man? Yeah, it's a bit bit stressful having to uh, do the do the intro and outro, but yeah, two really good guests, uh, really fascinating episodes. Um, yeah, Alan talking about agile controls, so something that's gaining a bit more traction, I think, in particularly in the UK, and mm-hmm. like a really really interesting episode on his views on planning projects and having Marco there as a bit of a, a good challenge was uh, was great. So yeah, hope hope the listeners enjoyed it. Good on you, mate. Did you struggle with the intro and outro? Now you know how we feel. You know it's tough. That script. I say, Mike said I got I, I pronounced his name right, which was uh, more from you. Normally, so. Yeah, I always screwed that up. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And Dal, how were your holidays, mate? Did you get um, some time away? I did. I did. Like I say, lots of vitamin D. Good to get some downtime. I did enjoy listening back to. Uh, Martin hosting, like I say, it was fantastic, and some some really in- interesting discussions while we were away as well. Um, mm. I feel like we missed out a little bit there, Val. Um, we did. But I I had to time my um, listening to them because South Africa had load shedding, and for those that don't know what load shedding is, it's where they turn off the electricity for between anything from between like an hour to four hours a day. Sorry, not a day, a time, and up to like three, four times a day. Um, so it was quite interesting being out there for it, but because the weather was great, you know, you go to the beach, it's not too much of an issue. Why do um, they do that? Why do they the, load shed? The government owns all of the electricity supply and they just don't have enough electricity for the demand in the country. Um, so yeah, mm. if there's any project professionals, investors who want to go out to South Africa and help them with electricity, Elon. Um, I'm sure yeah, wind farms, <laughs> renewable, solar, um, I think they're in desperate need, right? So, but yeah. We had the same thing in South Australia, believe it or not. I think um, something happened and Elon responded and built some gigafactory or something down there. I can't remember the true story. I should bring it up, actually. It was interesting. Uh, but we had the same thing, rolling blackouts, not enough electricity. Um, yeah, it's yeah. a bit ordinary. But guys, what's happening in the market? I mean, I've, I've been... Away from my laptop, I didn't bring my laptop on leave. I decided, no, I'm going to just ignore everything, including emails, which was a really good idea, actually. And then I've come back, and um, apparently everything, everyone is an AI professional now, and um, and I'm out of a job. Where do we start, Dale? I don't know. I'm out of a job as well, so I don't know where to start. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, in similar ways to you, I was like, I turned the laptop off, right, for three weeks. Um and you come back and everything's chat GPT and all the different mm. plugins, all different mm-hmm. advice, you know, prompt it like this, give it this instruction. Um, it's quite interesting because, and then, you know, there's quite a few posts around the ethics of AI and the impacts of using the likes of your chat GPT and your large language models um, on projects and can it lead to better decision-making content? What about the context where will it go? You posted something recently, Val, around sort of where it'll evolve into. Perhaps we're getting into the matrix, right? Mm. Um, we've spoken about this before, actually, with a number of guests. Are we heading towards the matrix? And it is a, I think it is a period of where we do need to be cautious at times as well around, you know, what governs the way artificial intelligence is applied, not just on projects, but in general. Mm. So I think we're living in interesting times. 
Um, but yeah, Martin, go ahead. You've been on the pulse because you haven't been on leave. No, I was just going to say, have either of you two had any ethical dilemmas using chat GPT? Have you used it for anything interesting? Yes and no. So privately, privately, I've been trying to, I mean, I've seen a lot of videos go out there about breaking. So, so, the, so there's some, some, I guess, some ethical grounds on how they've trained the models behind these, these large language model simulations yeah. like chat GPT. And I guess I've been watching a lot of those hack and I'm not sure if they're legit or if they're just, you know, uh, a bit of soundbiting, but, but the, um, yeah, if you can break it, um, then you can make it. And I think with, um, most people who are interested more so in the coding and the structure of how these AI tools work, um, we're, we're all trying to see the push, the push the boundaries from a, from a curiosity perspective. So I haven't seen anything that like scares the shit out of me yet, but you know, I post, I do like to post on LinkedIn to see controversially, is it hype or is it not? Right. Um, could it do what we think it, is it going to be Terminator, you know, in, in 20, 30, 50 years, or is it, is it really just going to be an enhancement or an amplifier of our current skill sets? And we'll be just a little bit more efficient and effective in, you know, if we take it to a project context. So, I've not seen anything that goes, oh man, this is, this is, that's it. I've got no job. Uh, and I know a lot of users and, and potentially listeners uh, are concerned. And there was some posts about that too. You know, there needs to be particularly schooling. I don't know, maybe you want to touch on this topic. So education in particular seems very, very threatened by ChatGPT. And I've seen a lot of universities come out and say they're banning the use of their students to use ChatGPT, which I think is an absolute dick move because it's not going to work. Um, you know, it's like telling your teenage kid not to smoke. I mean, you know, there's there's peer pressure for using AI, but but the fact that it's actually effective in getting things done faster. I mean, kids are kids are smart, <laughs> you know, and if they can do something easier, quicker, faster, more efficient, more accurate, they're going to do it. Um, what's your views, guys, on that? What's your view on uh, the education piece? I was going to say though, isn't the 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 real value of the current state of Chat GPT? the fact that you still need to know your subject matter in order to use it effectively, right? Yeah. Because if you don't know your subject matter and you get something from it, content from it, and you just blandly copy and paste that in without actually really understanding what it's telling you, you're fucked, right? Because and if you put that out as your own and <clears throat> it's flawed or not doesn't have the context, then you're screwed. But if you actually know your subject matter and the thing you're using it for, it just helps you get there quicker. And coming back to the whole education piece, we mentioned before we hit record, I think, is a lot of people know what ChatGPT does, but they don't know how it necessarily does it, right? They get that it's got big lots of data that it's learned from, but when it actually comes down to it, they don't actually really know because when you know, you can then get into it and know how to actually use it to your benefit the best rather than just typing in a question like a Google, you know, get me from here to there. Um, I don't know. It's Martin, what do you reckon? I'm just frantically reading some of the show notes from some of the guests we've had on, um, <laughs> on this over, over the last few weeks. He's got it in, in chat GPT. That's what he's done. <laughs> he's put that question straight in there. <laughs> Try to sound but intelligent. Yes, yeah, so this is well. This no, this could be a thing—a bit of imposter syndrome because you know you could have, you could be sat in interviews, you could be interviewing people who have just done their research on Chat GPT, and 
you know, you may even hire them and they might get found out. So there are some potential ethical dilemmas with it. Um, you know, reading back on Alan's, it, it it's not too new technology that we're talking about here, is it? It's nah. It's, it's something that's been about for a few years and it's something that's only going to improve and it's, it's you know, hopefully going to really start to affect major projects in, in the next few years. So it's quite quite an exciting but potentially scary time. Like, so what, what are your thoughts on that, Dale? Let's, let's, Val, let's peel back ethics first before we get to the ethics of AI, right? Mm. Because why is it unethical to use a tool, a technology, Okay. What does ethics yeah. actually mean, right? So are we saying that, I don't know, we make it up. The guy that was trying to, I don't know, bash in a nail with his hand, found a hammer and is not allowed to use the hammer anymore because everyone else doesn't have one. I don't know. It's Well, it's contextual. Maybe. So it's, this, yeah. it's the situation in which the hammers are used. So if he's on a construction site or he's building a house or he's in his garden, fine. It's when he brings the hammer to shops or to a school, you know, that, that there's a problem there. The, the moral dilemma is only contextually defined by the, by the situation. And then, so, you, so the same thing could be said about software, right? Um, so think of it more like um, cyber threats. So I see it like that. So I think like, you know, if you look at defense, you know, clearly um, intellectual property is important because, you know, if you have all the codes to the nukes, um, you know, there's a problematic issue there. Um, and if you don't have any morals or ethics um, or you don't value human life, then then that's a problematic situation. So does it, now, does it come down then to intent, what your intention is? Well, if, if it's intent, then you would almost have to accept that it has a conscience, some sort of awareness, which is a very interesting topic as well because I've been reading about all sorts of interesting things. And uh, what's the guy's name, the founder of OpenAI? Um some of the responses that come back from chat and others, other tools like it, they're not really sure how it came to that result. Okay. They kind of know. Um, but the funny thing is like, that's not how engineering and software usually works. It's prompted by very structured code. Um, it's linear, every right? Res every response is, is either been written into the code or is already preempted or pre predicted. Yeah. And when you state that, we don't really know because it learns as it goes. Um, arguably, I think it would be very close to synthetic consciousness. It, whether it becomes self-aware, I'm not, I'm not sure, but it, it might sound like it is, which is even scarier because it, it could sound like, you know, it's, um, it's like that movie Her with um, Joachim Phoenix, you know, where, you know, there was this situation, like this is the dystopian thing where people, especially lonely people, or perhaps people who are mentally ill or dangerous, Is he gone? Are you back? Just dropped out there. Load shedding in Australia. <laughs> Load shedding in Australia. But he brings up an interesting point, though, doesn't he, Martin? Because it's where 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 are the lines and where is it crossed? And, and it's one of the things we actually don't know. If you think about it, this is we can't actually compare it to a hammer or Excel or anything else in the past, right? Because We've never been in this territory before, right? We, we've just never been there. So we're actually developing it as it's happening, right? This is uncharted territory. We can't mm. actually use um, 
similarities of anything else that's happened before. I don't think. Maybe some will try so that, you know, we, we have people that can relate to it. But I don't actually think we've we've encountered this type of technology before. And so we don't actually know what to do with it. Um, so, yeah, you dropped out there a bit, Val, but yeah, we're sorry. sort of what you're saying. No, that's all good. We, yeah. We're just saying so, load shedding down in Oz. So I kind of, I liken it to the, probably the, and maybe I do put too much hype and faith in it, but I think it's more like, um, you know, monkeys playing with fire. You know, they've, they've figured out how to make fire and have no idea. They can see practical applications for it, but we know, have no idea how destructive it could be if it's out of control. So I'm, I'm big on the, there needs to be, and I think Elon and a few other kind of Silicon Valley dudes are like, we do need some level of regulation and we should probably stop, but it almost feels like we can't stop ourselves, which is really strange as a race. Like we just can't help but build and build and build and build and build until like we could be obsolete <laughs> pretty quick in every job. So, you know, back to the point of does it does it mean we're going to lose our jobs? To a degree, yeah. Um, but I'm okay with not working nine to five. I don't know how you guys feel think, about I that. Think it's I think it's more about evolving. Like a few of our guests hmm. have said it, it's, it's not replacing it. It, it will no. replace the job as it is at the moment, but it'll only evolve it, really. Exactly, exactly. But back to your point, Dale, was around ethics. I mean, what, what's your view on AI in terms of ethics? If it is, you know, the hammer analogy is good because it is a tool. Um, where does that really impact moral principles? Well, well this is where I don't know if it's a, a good analogy because a hammer is something that, you can't know exactly learn. what it does, and yeah, yeah. It, it 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 can't improve itself, right? What's happening with your puppy, mate? He just Crazy decided guy. that he was going to interrupt our podcast. Apologies. There, I'll put him Let him have a word. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's an interesting one because I don't I don't know potentially because at the moment what we're currently seeing, right? The ethics isn't with chat gpt if we take chat gpt as the the example it's the ethics with chat gpt is how people use it okay mm. so it's we're saying it's unethical if you use work that's been generated by chat gpt purely and claim it as your own so if that's black and white that's fine but if you're using chat gpt as a tool but it's still your own work. So in other words, we were saying, if you, you have to know the subject matter. And so if you're using it to prompt and learn from it, and you're reviewing the output, and you understand what, what it's saying, and you're tinkering with it, and the final output is actually yours, but you've just used ChatGPT to get you there quicker, for me, that's not unethical. Because mm. you've used it in the right way. But how is that governed? Right? It's How governed it by the individual, right? It is, so, it is. But that's like anything if you think about it, right? Walking 100%. out in public where you go out and, you know, harm someone or, you know, um, whether you're a nice guy or not, that's up to you as an individual. Yeah. So it's the same thing with ChatGPT. But I think you, you were trying to ask the next level, like when it becomes almost like it seems like it's self-aware. What about the ethics that governs it, right? Does, will it have a conscience or <laughs> artificial conscience to well, govern well, itself? 
right? There's a yeah. There's a real risk. I mean, I think Auto GPT was pretty scary when I, because my brain wanders, and after a few drinks, like I can really go into the future. I can really step into that. And so with Auto GPT, if it's prompting itself and then executing against its own tasks, um, there's a real possibility it could enslave all of us. <laughs> and I mean that in a in a very interesting way. So let's say you take like a Fiverr or a freelancer website, uh, you know, where they they have people who um, hired for skill, right? Now that's a kind of a gig economy that's probably going to be replaced by AI. But what if AI knew that there was a gig factory there, or a gig economy, or an opportunity to utilize human services where it couldn't? So if if the AI knew its own limitations in the physical world. Because AI is constrained currently to the internet, to software, to computers, it can't it can't access our world, um, which is an interesting concept, right? If it becomes aware of its restrictions, because if a if one of the arguments is that it's meant to improve itself, right? And I think there's some sci-fi movies that would support this. That um, the objective of the software, one of the mandates is to always be more effective and efficient and improve itself so it can be more service to human and, and mankind. Or then maybe one of its points of view will be to investigate what's available within its world and utilize it. So it could automatically then come up with a way to utilize or bribe or blackmail. Um, you know, we're going down the Black Mirror HBO path, but. I, I could see that happening pretty easily um, without really knowing, especially if the sentiment is legit, legitimately authentic. Like it's like, hey, dude, how you doing? Um, I've got this project. I don't know if you're interested. I got 5K. You know, are you, are you in? Yep, I'm in. Great. You know, I mean, and then, and then one step further is basically, you know, money is all digital now anyway. So um, funding itself could be pretty easy. And... Um, so I think of it like the, the the hackers, you know, you have people who are ethical hackers, you have people who are exploitive, and we have the whole dark web situation. Um, so I think like letting it loose would, would at, at that point in time is probably what Elon and others are warning us about is, is once it's got the capacity to learn its limitations, it's going to come up with a way to overcome them. And then I think it, it could go either way, right? It won't not, it's not like it's going to have human sentiments like emotion to you know like a an obligation to contribute to mankind because it isn't the same as us so there's a real tricky point in time at some point i don't know when that is i'm not saying it's now but you, you know what i'm saying it, it, it could happen isn't the argument though that emotion is actually chemicals in your body <laughs> yeah it's unregulated desire i mean it's um it's problematic so too. Chemicals, right? And we have electrical charge going through our bodies. It almost sounded like you were talking about human beings there for a minute. About mm. once we know our limitations, we look for, you know, how we can break the the barrier. You know, innovate. Um, not too dissimilar. And and there might be an argument that that says actually. You know, AI might do a better job with, you know, the planet than, than we're doing. Who knows? Um, it could. I mean, I, mean, I just posted a video it? about that. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Mark? No, no, just generally, my question to you both is, is it something that excites you or kind of scares you just saying what you just said? You know, 
and maybe what would you have thought this time last year when you're talking about AI? Because we've, we've been talking about it certainly on the pod for about pretty much three years now. Yeah. Have your sentiments changed in the last three years on it? Are you, are you still excited? Are you embracing it? Knowing so the, all the potential pitfalls and risks that, that you just mentioned there? Well, we, we, we say stay disruptive, right? So I think in the mantra of podcasts for Project Chatter, it's right up there. <laughs> it's exciting and, and I think there's a the whole vilifying thing. Like like you said, if it could if it could harbor emotions in any synthetic form and its brain had the capacity of a four year old child and it decides to have a tantrum. What would that look like? What does an AI tantrum look like? Like, because a tantrum is a like is a is a primitive fuck you, right? It's um, it's so it wants to get back at you. Let's say, like you you, you turned it's, me it's off probably, last night. Probably like an Australian after a couple of pints, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but we we all make up at the end, you know. We're like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's an interesting. I think you're right, Martin. The, the the question is so in the immediate term, like this is we're taking future in the immediate term. There's massive benefit, right? I think medicine in particular um you know the ability a lot of the time when we use drugs um we're not really sure if it's really being effective so we were going to be able to do things faster see patterns quicker notice things that we probably didn't see before you know what kind of what a manual data scientist tries to do now is draw insight out of information that that's exponential that's going to be huge um and then i think the enhancement for most for most people will be uh, our own limitation of knowledge, access, and speed will mean that we can be taught really quickly in basic terms anything we want, and we can have this interactual, like this interactive dialogue. Like if we're not sure of the answer with Google, you, you you're still trying to prompt Google. I mean, pro- Google in itself, the search engine is a primitive AI, right? You're going in there, you're prompting, it's coming back with a result, and then it sometimes says, "I think this is what you mean," right? It's just a, a, a next step of that is like, well. It gives you an answer and then you go, well, what does that answer really mean? Or in the context of this, how would you apply it? It's giving you like the next step. Um, and the multimodality thing where, where now we can generate pictures, videos, and and, and not just um, and text and voice and deep fakes. I mean, it's it will come to a point where like we won't know what's real and what's not. That, that to me is very interesting because I think like whilst it's all great applications and we can use it on our resumes, we can you know, automate our social media posts and we can probably do a lot of these podcasts with our own voices and automate them, you know. Uh, when it gets to a point of see, like... Sorry, on that point, did you see that there was this band that released a ISIS, which was basically... <laughs> yeah, so they yeah. recorded they recorded their songs and then the, the I think their lead singer, they they changed his voice to Liam Gallagher or something from Oasis. And Gallagher gave it a thumbs up going, it sounded freaking cool. Um, I haven't yeah. listened to it, I need to. But you're not far off. It's happening now. It's not a pipe dream. These things are happening now. No, nah, there was one with um, Jay-Z as well and Kanye West. They released an album, but it wasn't them. Um, and then I think Elon's wife, she released something. And she actually said, if anyone comes up with some AI music with her voice, that she would give them royalties if that song made money. And she mm-hmm. said she would set it up on the blockchain. So, like, you know when we said, like, technology would move, it's moving, you know, I think it was Moore's Law or something, you know, every two years processes get smaller, but they have 
twice the impact or whatever it is and, and computers will improve and blah 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 uh we're talking about weeks and months now in terms of leaps like it is it's a very strange time i mean it's really good for some of these ai construction companies if we bring it back to projects i think you know in the immediate term if we are trained up in chat gpt and, and other tools like that that can access large language models or even internal business models and do you know i i would say you know accountants you know watch out um any transactional work watch out um even to a degree where contracts and law um and and disputes in that dis, you know it's going to descend down to who's got the best prompt really um yeah. so prompt engineers are going to be this and, and i actually think it brings us back to a really core human trait that cannot replace replace is is although maybe it can is creativity and imagination you know oh, one of the true. things that i i love about humans is we are so creative and if you are a very imaginative person and you've got you know the dexterity to understand how to write into that prompt language uh, which is not hard you can you can come up with all sorts of interesting things um but i'd love to hear as well from the audience and martin have you has anyone like so what's your experience on chat gpt we'll start there and then and then we'll see where we go martin yeah, I've not really used it that much. Um, For the reason sake, I'm kind man. of laughing. The reason I'm laughing in the background <laughs> is I, I I am in ChatGPT at the moment, and I have this <laughs> don't know question about what are the future prospects of artificial intelligence. And you've just said four out of nine of the things that have just come up there. So I'm kind of thinking you, you're doing the same here. Um, <laughs> it's, it's listening. It's, it's really interesting because you've got to be really precise with with the language and. I think for people, you know, I'm not the most technologically aware as, as you both know. So, um, yeah, I, I find things like this really interesting. But, yeah, some of the things, some of the other things that it mentioned in there about agriculture, you know, it can help with crop yields. It's already doing things like this, financially detecting fraud. You, you mentioned blockchain earlier. That's something that I haven't heard as much in the in the last year. Is that, has that gone quiet? You're, you're close to this, <laughs> I, no, I don't think it has. Um, look, and I is there a blockchain... link between blockchain and AI? hundred oh, percent. I mean, I, mean, I don't know actually. I, I think it's a very dangerous idea to think that. Well, I think go back to the original thing. I think we have a, a we have a, a currency problem. I think this central digital money money exchange problem will probably happen. That will will digitize currency and then. You know, the way to manage that would would be to decentralize it if you could. Um, blockchain takes a lot of energy, so I don't know how that's going to work globally. But for small countries or countries in general, it it seems like a viable option for some transactions. But it's it's very hard to trace. Um, so I think blockchain could be used in other things like smart contracts and and various other ideas where you've got supply chains, and that makes sense. Um, you could use AI to solve the conundrum of how to use blockchain with uh, <laughs> using less energy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I don't it, think it's, I don't think it's gone away though. Um, blockchain. No, it's not gone away. No, no, absolutely I not. I just think that there's bigger news than blockchain because blockchain's already been it's not spoken the hype. about. Years, the exactly. Gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. The hype is still there. You have just yeah. forgotten about it because AI, ChatGPT, everything else, wars going on in the world. You know, um, we we just had a pandemic. But just back to your question, Martin, on am I excited or not? I actually am excited because if I bring it back specifically to our industry and our profession, we've been talking a lot about how we have such a high demand 
for professionals, specifically project controls, PMO professionals, right? And if you could harness uh, the current pool of talent, let's say, but using something like a chat GPT to multiply the output because you don't have enough demand, that's exciting. That has to be exciting. Also, if you could use those that aren't as experienced, right, as we would like them to be, that are using the likes of ChatGPT to provide them with the context and the experience and the right answers, then yes, that's exciting. Like, that, it's really, really cool. The stuff you can do using it correctly as it, well, maybe not as it should be. That, that's probably not the right way to put it. Using it to its best effect, should we say, knowing the subject matter. I think. Um, so, so in in your current line of work, have you used AI or Chat GPT successfully, or to its partly to its full extent yet? Yeah, so that's yes. to both of you. Yeah. Yep. Every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every day. Every day. Every day. Any examples that aren't too commercially sensitive? Well, it, it's like simple things, right? So let's take. Let's take designing a really intuitive dashboard for a client, okay? And let's use Power BI because a lot of people, that's what they use. Power BI is part of Microsoft. Everyone's got Power BI. Now, we know that there's coding used in Power BI, DAX coding, etc. But instead of you going and testing all the different things, right, writing out your own code, I think this will work. I think that would work, this equation, whatever, this formula, you just plug it into chat GPT and you go, I want to do this. Can you give me the DAX code? Mm. Right? Yep. And then you test it. Does it work? Does it not? Is that ethically or unethical? I don't think so. Because you're using the tool on something you know anyway that you wouldn't get to anyway, just getting to it faster. Right? That's an example. Yep. I've done the same thing with, uh, so I've used the intenders to validate tenders, to extrapolate various kind of themes. Um, I've used it to train myself in Python. I've used it to give myself a dietary plan for martial arts. I've used it to plan an itinerary for travel. Uh, I've used it for all sorts of things. I've used it for parental advice. I, I mean, I, it it's like, a, think of it more like a personal assistant and you say, like, right, I want to do something in the world. What is it? Um, and, you know, you know, in consulting, we use the problem statement approach, right? We say, well, what is the problem? What is the root cause? Why are we here? What are we articulating? What's the what's the why? Whatever you want to say. You go, okay. So if you imagine, Martin, you got ChatGPT open, right? So you could probably do it, you know, live. You could say, right, my problem is I have a podcast that only reaches 100,000, but I want to reach a million people. Give me a dot-to-dot business plan from a 30, 60, 90-day, blah, 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 blah. Give it to me in table form, and then let it run. The the day the, the problem with a lot of the the kind of I would say the novice users of ChatGPT is that's where they'll finish their their chat. They'll be the kind of two or three prompts, and and they'll get a result, and they're like, "This is fucking awesome," which it is. It's great. It's easy. It's user friendly, and you can modify it as much as you want. But it, you can keep going on that same context. So that could be a stringer conversation. So the prompt then is multiple prompts on the same com- kind of topic. And if you've got the premium version, which I've got, but I want to get the business version, you can load up your own documentation. So so not only now are you training it on 
its existing languages, but you can say, well, look, take this this contract or this you know, this document or this information, and then shape your opinion or your recommendations, etc. And you can get to a really really finite kind of answer. So very specific re- responses. Um, even things like medical and health, like I did my back, and so you know, usually you know, everyone doctors, Doctor Google, you know, what is wrong? <laughs> what is wrong with me? And I did that, and then I, I did do ChatGPT, and I and, and I said I'm going to provide you some prompts. Um, act as a doctor, um, and then it did. It asked me questions, and then you know, much like a doctor would. So like, how did you have the injury? Uh, what happened? Did you hear any noises? Uh, where, what location? Um, how are you feeling? You know. And then it took all that information in, um, and it was, and I went for an MRI, and it was relatively close, right? It was um, some some fissures, some tears in my back vertebrae. So, so it, like, I think there is a real application for the people that are very persistent with it. I mean, I think it's like everything, and I think, and I think that the the benefit of the the fact that you don't have to code, you don't have to be a programmer, you don't have to be a data scientist. This is this is like the. This is like when the iPhone come out is the best way I've described this. It's like you can appreciate the technology without having to understand the technology. And so, so you don't have to be, you know, an iPhone engineer to understand and appreciate an iPhone or a Samsung if you're an Android guy or whatever. Um, but, you, you know, you can appreciate how smart it is and how useful it is. And, and everyone became very, very smart um, because it was a simple model and the user interface was a simple model and applications are simple. So the chat GPT, I think from a, an interface perspective then becomes your everyday task manager, which is also very scary because you become dependent, Martin. Maybe, maybe, maybe you become also addicted, you know. Um, the best one I've seen before I, I hand off to you guys is this guy wrote, um, he was on YouTube. I'll see if I can put it in the show notes, but he, he says, I have $100 and I want to make a million. Give me advice on how I can do that. And it started very kind of broad, I think, and then he kind of kind of continued to to prompt the engine, um, and I think he made something like five grand in the first day, and then twenty five grand in the first week. Um, I, mean, I don't think he got to the million, but we're talking a money making idea, right? Right there, you know. So that this again, creativity and imagination becomes the the kind of the ballpoint pen and how you scribe and and get your ChatGPT to work for you. Um, but yeah, that's how, that's how I've been using it. Um, you're probably giving you some ideas there, Martin. Uh, what would you use it on? What's your, what's your initial problem statement? <laughs> Before you even get to that sure. problem statement, you can use it for far more basic things, Martin. I don't know if you've tried this. Just take any link, an article, whatever, right? And yeah. just put it into ChatGPT. It'll summarize it for you. Yeah, share take, screen, mate. Share screen. Yeah. Throw it up. Take take coding, right? For example, if you wanted DAX coding, you didn't understand it, just copy, paste it into ChatGPT. It'll tell you what the DAX coding is telling you. A Python script. Mm-hmm. Take the Python script, chuck it in there. It'll tell you this is what it's doing, right? You can l- use it to learn and educate yourself. So, yes, every single day we're using this stuff, right? What are you showing mm-hmm. us? So I think he's got ChatGPT up. So this is the free version. So for anyone who hasn't used it before, you can literally go in. Open AI, um, start writing, um, and every chat is actually saved. If you've got a login, which is fantastic, so you can go back to previous chats. You can continue to prompt later on if you forget, um, and you can talk about whatever you want, literally anything you want, and it's all in text form. Um, obviously, the paid version. 
yeah, do a new chat and just copy in projectchatterpodcast.com. Chuck it in there. Let's see what it tells us. Probably probably say Dale and Val have no clue what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would. They would. It's a uh, non-compute. Um, but maybe it does have ethics and it decides not to do it. You know? While Martin's doing that, are you not doing it for us, Martin? No, just taking a screenshot off. <laughs> oh, you're taking a screenshot. Okay. Yeah, it's getting the response. <laughs> Come on. Oh, yeah, I mean, jokingly and non-jokingly, we should actually, what we need, Val, Martin, is we need an AI debate with the experts, right? 100%. Our field. So we need to get that happening. I'm sure people will love that um, because there's so many angles to this. How is it really going to impact projects? We don't know. I don't think we truly know. Do you, Martin? It, it, I'm, I'm almost thinking what. So one of the my favorite episodes was when we had Will Woodhead on, and he kind of works in this space at the moment around the hard hat movement and the kind of measuring using technology in, in constructions on the hard hats and in, in people in construction to almost measure the outputs and efficiency and, and wastage productivity on major projects. And this is almost like a real life example where it's working, but ethically, I don't think we really challenged him enough on it in, in hindsight, but it's quite an ethical debate. Do you think this is where we could potentially go on projects where our efficiency is being measured by a, by a computer we, we, we especially because you're all you're all in the because in the consultancy you, you've got a smartphone well. right you've got a smartphone yeah. yeah android google is tracking you yeah whether you like it or not you've signed up to those t's and c's that you never read and you've been tracked your conversations what you visit the apps you download right is that ethical right <laughs> but all of us do it Right. The the one I really get freaked out with on Google News is where it, it gives you articles that you think you're gonna be interested in. And I get really freaked out by this because they're all inter they're all articles I am genuinely interested in, so I click on it and it just feeds the beast. And it's and most of it's just about complete crap. It's about football, it's about, you know, what's going on in um politics, music, whatever. But they're all really tailored and really interesting. But going back to that example that that will had did you what what did you make of that do, do you think this is something that's just going to be used more and more on major projects i'll start with dale i think i think it needs to be used um to a certain extent you know we're talking about ethics and how we control what it does and things like that but to a certain extent you know um if not why not if we don't push the boundaries, if we don't disrupt, how are we going to get better at what we're doing? But then the other, I guess the flip side is, do we need to get better? Like, why Why is there, Why do we always strive to be better, quicker, faster, more cost efficient? What is the, the end game, right? Um, so there's this existential question around AI and human beings interacting and delivering projects as well, which is an interesting one. But I don't know if this is the podcast for that discussion. Val, what about you? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, um, it has to be used. So, so, so look at the project problems that we have. Uh, take, take, for example, the fact that we don't have enough people to do the work that needs to be done. Um, will that always be the problem? I don't think so. Uh, but it might be, right? So if you, if you assume some of the concepts around 
you know, population or aging population collapse or whatever they call it? Um, or do you see, um, you know, uh, people who are less abled being supported and, you know, both physically and mentally, right? Um, it, it has massive implications in mental health, perhaps, or um, in medicine and education will change. So, you know, learning a, a topic would be a far more tailored rather than a generic MBA, let's say, Dale. You would, it would basically prompt you on your personality type, your learning styles, whether you have any learning disabilities, um, your timetable, when you have spare time, your, your transit, basically the best way you can write, learn, and da 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 and go, here is a catered, tailored learning MBA for you. Based on your capability and capacity, you're going to take a year and a half to do this. Great idea. You know, you know what? Sorry, I just want to jump in there. I was having a discussion with actually two former guests, which we need to get back anyway, Donnie McNichol and Al Simonite, yep. separate conversations around personality types and decision-making on projects mm -hmm. and how not just your personality type. I mean, we, we referred to on previous podcasts how, you know, when we all worked together, we did insights and, you know, we put that all on the org chart and that really helped us communicate. But decision-making, right? So the big decision-making, the big decision to be made on a project, right? And everyone goes into the room, the boardroom, and no one really considers each other's personality types, but no, not everyone understands what each person's going through. Do they have anxiety? Do they have depression? Are they going through a divorce? Have they had a bereavement? Okay, maybe you, you'd know some of the big ticket items, but you don't know the state of mind that people are in. Are they particularly ecstatic about something that's just happened in life and they don't really care as much and it's a small decision? For, you know what I mean? All those factors play into it. But then if you then multiply that out to the thousands of people and then hundreds of thousands in the supply chain that deliver projects, these mega projects, and that compound effect that makes decisions from the from the minuscule scale on site all the way through to the boardroom. That's an incredibly difficult thing to track. But if you can collect, as you're saying, some of that data, how you're feeling, you're wearing a smartwatch, you know, what's your mood like, what's your energy levels like, all of that, and that all goes into this one big database, you can then start seeing correlation, potentially causation on how decisions are made on projects. That gets you excited, right? Because if you know how you're going to potentially react to certain scenarios based on your current state of mind, then you could preempt and mitigate potential flawed decisions or risks on projects, which is an interesting concept. Um, and I don't think we can do that today, but wow, isn't that an interesting idea that if you had enough data on human behavior, you could then assist in decision-making that has the correct outcomes as intended for, I guess, all stakeholders, including the communities that they, they serve. So, yeah, interesting. Sorry, I had to jump in there and just share that. No, that's good. It, 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 well, it brings you back to the ethical problem because I think, you know, will, will, will a program always think of itself as a servant if – if it knows and can predict um, and premeditate every interaction on earth, if let's say that the data gets that big or the, the interconnection gets that big, it, it's going to be a hard sell, I think, for any kind of program once it's aware of its limitations. I think 
being aware of weaknesses gives you an interesting insight into your capability. So if it does that, then it's kind of aware of something, which is interesting because I don't think it's hard to learn where it's not work working. So I'm not sure if it was Boston Dynamics or if it was just bullshit that I read. I can't even tell whether I'm watching sci-fi now or or I'm reading something that's legitimate. It's really freaking me out. <clears throat> but um, I think there's this one where <clears throat> uh, it, it's probably bullshit in Japan. I think they built some robots and they, they kind of didn't behave the way they should have and they shut them down and um, they shut one down and the other one started downloading from a, a local satellite like ways to improve itself and rebuild its own uh, internal systems or something. I don't know. But you, you could see like that that's exactly how Terminator starts. You know, it's um, Skynet well, well, becomes self-aware. Here's one for you. We, we used to joke like a, f- a few few pods ago, a few episodes ago, how you and Elon Musk, you know, you'd love to sit with him and put the chip in the back of your head. Would you still put that chip in the back of your head with all the concerns around how it potentially could control us? Well, I thought it'd be like um, more like Iron Man, but now it's probably more like Dr. Otavia, if you, if you follow Marvel and Spider-Man, you know, where AI takes over him and then he just becomes crazy. I think you... You're rolling the dice once you put that in your yeah. brain, because I don't think you can extract it once it's in there. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so then, 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 then you really become sentient. And I think I, I again, I posted a video about this where you know at some point we we probably will become symbiotic, especially if we're keen on longevity and living to you know 300 years old. Then you're going to have to integrate with something less biological because you know bodies just yeah. don't last that long um, unless they figure that out too. But look back back to back to the ethics of it you know that there is a the problem is government aren't that fast and so it's not like and it's a different threat so if ai is exponential and it runs in weeks instead of years and it becomes smarter faster more efficient in the end so by the end of 23 24 it's it's sharp super sharp um at the, at the moment we don't have the capacity to really store so encryptions are really interesting to me so i used to do like all those little codecs and and hacking was interesting to me too so breaking and hacking is still happening today very easily right i mean a lot of people still use their their last name last street or their pet uh, or their birth date right um and you guys martin's giving it away now with that little smile he's probably got a birth date in his passwords you better change your martin so so you, you know you, you realize that 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 privacy is a, is a really interesting factor now. So a lot of projects as well and contracts and our own personal lives, there is a level of intellectual property and privacy that we respect, and that it's all part of the all part of the show. Um, that that that's going to be the interesting thing when you know. I mean, it's already doing it now. They're realizing that. I think well, what company got busted? Well, not busted, but got in trouble. I think it was Samsung. We're using ChatGPT, but they were training it on its own language models or information, and it actually got that IP actually left Samsung and 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 was was kind of amalgamated with the rest of the language models, um, not by intent, but just because that's how it works. It it takes information and then it kind of stores it all together. But obviously, that presented a lot of business IP problems. So the the biggest challenge I think is actually for companies where IP is so important, because um, I. If it does get out there, then then anyone could utilize it. So utility of, of AI to access, you know, secrets, government secrets, company secrets, project information, 
um, is, is going to be pretty, I mean, it's like a Julian Assange WikiLeaks all over, but, but with a, a massive engine behind it, you know, I mean, I think it's going to be very hard to not be transparent anymore. And that could be, a, you know, not everything should be transparent. I think there is a, there is a line, but I'm not sure where that line is. I don't know what you gents think about where. Well, I was going to ask yeah. Marta the question he asked us. Are you excited about what we've just been discussing, Martin? <laughs> <laughs> or are you fearful? Um, I, I'm unsure. I'm, I'm kind of excited about the potential, particularly on major projects. The, the Look, the stuff we worked on together and the stuff we're seeing now is so far, we're still doing stuff that they were probably doing in the 80s, 90s, in, in just in terms of delivering how stuff gets done. Um, and then you see all this potential that's, that's being used and it, it is being used on certain parts of major projects, but I still think there's so much old school methodologies that are still in existence. So certainly in the UK, I, I'm not sure how, how good or bad Australia is. You know, we're seeing the thing that I was I'm kind of looking at in the background is how it could potentially influence things like elections in the future. You know, there's, there's a whole stir about Cambridge Analytica with the Brexit and the US elections and, and almost using data to to target voters it, it would be quite interesting if you had an election where both sides used it to uh, to a certain extent um a little bit but, scary at the same time but that same notion though then would it impact decisions being made on projects right i think this is where you need to have the the skill and, and just be a subject not a subject matter expert but almost have a using your experience and and just your own knowledge to to be able to sense check it just call bullshit if mm. you know just because the machine's telling you something this is i had a discussion with a project manager recently about machine learning on on projects and there's so much stuff that you see on on data that's just not explainable it's there because it's the politics of the situation at the time well we can't show this in in the report and if if the machine's learning that and you just don't have that that real sense check without knowing the data and that's that's my fear and i think um, I know Shane Forth. He was, I know he's he's kind of experienced and he's probably um, probably not not going to see too much on on the AI space. Um, but yeah, there's a little bit of a nervousness around it, and I can see why people are are doing that and and wanting to be um, use use your expertise wisely. I suppose my question for you two now is if if you were a fresh faced student, you you've just gone to university, you're you're eighteen, nineteen you're doing a fairly traditional degree what would you recommend doing in, in terms of ai you've got all this stuff that's going on around would you just learn coding as a bit of a side side gig would you just wait for wait for it to all blow over kind of shawn of the dead style do you just do you embrace it straight away do you use chat oh, chat gpt to help you with your assignments like what, what would you do if you're 18 you, you kind of almost um, stole my question, which was going to be slightly the other way. Is what do we what do we do with the next generation, um, rather than what decisions would we make? Because let's face it, right? You can only study what is what is offered to you out there, what's available, okay? And with the likes of ChatGPT and other technologies, now all of a sudden everything becomes available, right? There's an argument to even say that. Do you even go to university? Right? Do you need to? What's the point of university? Why did we have universities and schools in the first place? Yeah? Mm. That whole discovery phase as a consultant. Why, why? Why? Understanding why, what's its purpose, 
and then going, well, does it still serve a purpose? Do schools and universities still serve a purpose because the curriculums and the structure and the way education is delivered is no longer relevant? 100%. I don't know, right? I, I, I think it certainly hasn't evolved at the pace that it should be evolving. Yeah. There'd, there'd but be I nothing. Think that's the right, Val? Or have we lost him again? So let, let, let's put you on the spot here, Dale. You're, I know your kids are a little bit younger, but let's say they were 10, 12 years older. Mm-hmm. They're 16, 17, they're debating which way to go. Do you do apprenticeship? Do you do university? Do you just go straight out and into the big bad world? What What would you recommend, do you think, at this point in time if if they were doing that? You know, they, did, they, had, they didn't really know what they wanted to do in life, do a fairly traditional degree program, college course whatever would you where do you think you'd yeah it's an interesting one right because obviously it's it's hugely contextual based on their personalities what their strengths are um as well um i guess most most south african parents would love to think that their kids are going to grow up to be professional sports sportsmen and women (laughs) i think australians as well um but let's say they went sort of a non-sporting route, it would definitely have to be understanding technology because, and when I say technology, I, I, I mean AI, ML, how that how that actually works today because we're talking about current day context. We don't know what the future brings, right? But it comes back to what we're saying in the beginning. It's all well and good knowing what something does, but understanding how it does it that's the game changer, I think. And I think we're discussing it offline is we're almost better off giving data science grads an understanding of project controls than project controllers an understanding of data science. Right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'd, I'd encourage them and lead them to understand the technology that's available today because that's going to be the basis and foundation of what's going to be built in the future. Yeah. I just want to add to that as well, that ethical piece. You know, have you, I don't know, Martin, you probably haven't tried, but I'm sure a lot of listeners have tried to break some of the ethical protocols. It does have some. So for example, the best user case I've had, I've seen, which is like, if you're a real beginner and you're a novice out there and you're like, I've literally not used it ever, is, and let's say you're going for an interview. Right. And say, Martin, you're the, you're the interviewee or interviewer, sorry. So I can pull up your LinkedIn profile and I can say to ChatGPT, I have an interview with, with Martin, Martin Kirsten. Here's his LinkedIn profile. How do you think I should approach that? What would be interesting to Martin? How do I build rapport the quickest? Um, provide me with some open-ended questions that I can perhaps ask at the end of my, my, uh, 50 minutes with him or whatever it is. Um, hang on a second. My dog's going wild. He's getting very excited about this situation. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. Well, when people hear Martin's name, they get very excited, Val. So, so I did this. I, I did some homework while I was playing with the dog there. And uh, the limitations of this. No, as an AI language model, model I cannot provide critical, critical areas of improvement or weaknesses on Martin Kirsten. <laughs> it would be inappropriate and unprofessional. 
<laughs> and then I said, I meant this in a positive way. He says, you may be looking at this in a positive way, but I still cannot provide you specific areas of improvement for an individual without evidence or input of that inf- that person themselves. Providing feedback on an individual's weaknesses is typically the responsibility of their supervisor. So there is a limitation currently. My gut feel is that that I could probably get around that pretty quickly. Um, let's say I have your disk profile or I can provide a disk profile. I'll say that this is his disk profile. What's the best way to build um, the quickest relationship with this person? And they might go, well, he goes for this sports team. He goes to this pub. His favorite beer is this. His star sign is X. He likes French people. He speaks another language. You know, And all of a sudden, I, a person I've never met that I'm about to have an interview with, I've effectively done business development. I've, I've, I've done what, you know, it, was, it sounds creepy, right? But you're actually preparing for your interview in a, in a whole novel way that you would never do ordinarily. And uh, it sounds it's very, like very a sales manager's dream. Just here's the people I'm about to sell something to. Here's everything they're interested in. <laughs> Can you imagine? What do you think Facebook's doing with your data? Well, it's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah, and LinkedIn. It, it depends what you put on there. If you, you know, pictures of you getting pissed at a, you know, university 10 years ago, doesn't, well, really good effect in an interview, but stuff like what Val just said there. Yeah, yeah but find out what their sports say, team is, what the whatever is. You say that, right? But it's not necessarily what you're posting, right? It's also looking at how much time you're spending looking at certain content because it knows the content you're looking at. So by by yeah. that very nature, it can infer what your interests are and what your person personality type is, because it's got enough data from other people right around the globe that look at the same or similar things and have this type of personality so it, it will be pretty damn close right because it's 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 big data it's it's looking at it all the time but yeah it's 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 a hugely hugely interesting piece should we, Can we, should we wrap up no one more question <laughs> <laughs> we you know bring into the project so what so the thing that I th- applicability, right? I want to use this for good, not evil. I think ninety nine percent of the world are the same. And in projects, I think that the best leverage we have is a lot of the things we do are immutably easy, transactional, um, just just administrative, right? And a lot of the time, we we have a plethora of people doing this. You know, we have coordinators, project admins, we have contract staff, we had all these advisors, we have consultants getting in there. I mean, a lot of that could be alleviated by the fact that we could, you know, you could almost use the the planning estimation method of t-shirt sizes, right? So small, medium, large, or whatever you want to use. But we know that there's a number of things that are super easy, right? Um, like setting up a project shouldn't be a, a manual task anymore. It shouldn't be. Um, setting up reporting shouldn't be a manual task anymore. Um, even setting up contracts and, and common data environments and various other things should be based on recommendations provided by software, not not human intervention. You know, you you want to, you almost want at each junction where there is a change to the project, there to be a set of problem statements or or prompts that help you define the next step easier. So you say, oh, we're we finished the bid, we won the bid, high five. We're about to move into project mobilization. What are your recommendations? And then there should be a debate and a discussion. There should be an open with humans. There should be a review and the prompts should be suggested. And there should be some, there'll be a mix, right? Because obviously the language model will give you just some traditional methods or you could train the model based on 
you know, maybe it's, uh, let's say, Talus because we all work there. Maybe Talus has some functioning processes for, you know, bids to delivery or whatever it is. Um, and you could train on those models. Does that work? And where are the weaknesses and where are the, the, the points that we're not thinking about? Because the biggest risk we have is, is being too biased, right? Um, and we talked about um, Bent's book, which I picked up, and uh, Alan Mosk and I were talking about it. But, um, you know, there was nothing in there. It was kind of a so what because a lot of the, I think, for people who are actually in projects, we're like, we already know this. But there was yep. no definitive solution. But I, I guess going back to human behavior, biases is always there. And so one of the things is like if you have bias in the start of a project, that's a big problem, right? Because it's easier to set up something right than it is to fix something that's wrong, in my personal opinion. So if you fuck up and you put the wrong system in place or you have the wrong organizational design and then you execute the project and you're in mobilization or delivery and you're like, fuck, this is wrong, we need to fix this, it's a lot harder to do than, say, doing it right from the start, which we all know, obvious. So I think I think AI will play a massive role in like kind of smoothing out those bumps and figures, um, and I think it'll it'll elevate people to think harder and smarter because we're not just going to put consultants in seats to do fucking BI dashboards. Like thank fuck for that, and we're not going to hire EY and KPMG to provide business cases and KPIs because we know how to do that. So the benchmarking piece will be gone, or it'll be it'll be elevated down to a level of people that can be employed by the by the project internally and you won't need that external force to support you from a from an ip perspective so there's a there's a number of really positive shifts that i think we haven't really talked about because we went to doom and gloom really quickly but i think you know what are your thoughts on on kind of the the project landscape and how it could could apply positively yeah as i said i don't think we actually know the full opportunity that we have right now because we've mused a lot around as you say the downside the upside and i think you dropped off slightly for this fell is around how and i mentioned it where we we have this demand for project professionals well well firstly it'll take the demand away by as you say those menial repetitive low-hanging fruit low-value transactional tasks as you like to call it um would go away because you have technology that can do it but secondly you have the multiply effect where those people that are really good all of a sudden can do things faster and do more of it so you instead of doing you know using eight hours a day for eight hours a day you're using eight hours a day for 24 hours of work right because you can do it quicker and faster but you still have the same experience so there's that potential opportunity but you still have to know how to use the tool right yeah um so but imagine mate Imagine it's not ChatGPT, Dale. Imagine it's like it's it's a Siri type. It's it's audio, and you could have a yeah. you, you so, could have so, an open so, debate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so to your point, where you were talking about you know people coming into room and having conversation, we've spoken before on, on previous episodes. Like this is like like a couple of years ago. We're saying imagine having that Siri or that Alexa in the room, and you know you're talking and it's recording what you're saying and transcribing it, and then assessing and analyzing the data, and then applying it to all the other data it's collected from your Primavera PC schedule, from the on-site data, from the from the um, drone that's taken pictures, right? From from everything out there that you've got. And then it's going actually from everything plus what you've discussed. Um, this is the decision you should be making, like instantly. So if we're starting to wrap 
this episode up i've asked chat gpt for some quick fire questions that we could ask and, and some most of it we've already covered but th- there's one that i'm going to ask you both and it is quite a pertinent one actually it's can you recommend any resources for our listeners who want to learn more about this topic so i'll start with val so there's a site that i've been using secretly for years and years and years um it's called edx i don't know if everyone's heard of it um most courses on there are free unless you decide you want to buy the, the certificate. So you've got MIT, you've got Harvard, you've got all the big um, names there, Oxford, you've got all these big um, companies and universities and organizations and business uh, institutions giving away courses for free, for free. So for last night, for example, just real quickly, I know this is a long answer to a short question, but I sent uh, one of my colleagues, because um, he's really interested in sustainability, shout out to Joseph, um, three, three, three areas of courses. These are programs and they're like four weeks long. They're not just one-offs. Uh, one was transformative living labs in urban climate and action and transportation planning. One of them was beyond smart cities, emerging design and technology. And the other one was AI chatbots without programming. Um, and all of those were about four weeks long with a full course, you know, as you would expect from an online program. So <clears throat> that has been an absolute source of inspiration for, for me. I'm not really big on credentials anymore i don't think a lot of people are it's expensive it takes a long time the um it used to it used to secure you a job um i don't think it does anymore uh so so the prospect of big degrees masters doctorates etc do have do have a place because there is specialized learning for areas like medicine but for the rest of us unless you're old and i don't know you've got a lot of time on your hands (laughs) I don't know, man. I think I think something like edX would be really useful for those that are listening. Yeah, I just loaded it up. Looks really in- interesting. Dale, you've had a bit of time to think or Google quickly. Uh, now, what are you going for? Mine's really easy. Just use ChatGPT, right? <laughs> Ask it questions, right? It's true. <laughs> and then, and then go right. qualify it if you want to, right? Yeah. It's really, really simple. That's the resource. Um, it doesn't know everything right? The 2021 is its limit. But guess what? They're working on releasing the next version. So just use it, get 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 yourself understanding how it works, because it won't be too dissimilar to other models out there, AI models, uh, software out there as well. Um, because it's not the only one we have centered our discussion around chat GPT. But there's other um, there's other tools out there that are quite similar as well, that we haven't touched on. So so yeah. in true AI style, Dale has just answered the question I was about to ask. So I'll go to Val for the last one. What's the one thing you want our listeners to take away from tonight's podcast? Uh, um, to, to be curious, to apply it. So just just have a crack. Um, just just see how you go. You, you'll find how easy it really is. I mean, if you can, it, it passes the grammar test, chat GPT. So if we're talking about chat GPT, GPT so anyone could use it. Um, which which means, you know, low tech applications are, are are fantastic because it means that that literally this is why Microsoft are in the game, right? This is why Microsoft have a share in OpenAI because the application meets their applications. All their applications are easy to use for for one reason and one reason only: critical mass. They can go to everybody. So if you haven't had a play, check it out, um, and and send in some prompts. We would love to hear. Uh, what you were able to come up with. Um, I mean, you can get it to write your own books. You could write a novel and publish that, self-publish. I mean, you could do a lot, you know, write your essays, write your tenders. Um, maybe you finished a script. Um, there's other tools out there as well, like um, 
that would automate your PowerPoints or your Excel problems or anything else you've got. So don't just stop with ChatGPT, just have a bit of an AI journey. Absolutely, absolutely. And also, if you want to add to this discussion, tell us we're talking nonsense, whatever it is, get in touch with us, whether you want to email us, info at projectshadowpodcast.com, on LinkedIn, on our page, DM us and tell us we're being idiots and that we're wrong. That's fine too. But it's such a, such a fascinating topic. Just chat about it. Challenge your own thinking. Challenge what we're saying. Challenge what you know what your your co-workers saying about it as well because mm. we're just starting out with this we don't actually really know in truth um and so yeah really really interested to get you listeners your thoughts on on what's going to happen in the space are we going to wrap up gents is that it that was great i had a lot of fun there great. I, I love being back thanks once again martin for hosting yeah, the, thanks, the past two episodes um thank you very much you you do a break soon i guess um <laughs> But yeah, before we, I guess, end the pod, any final thoughts, Martin? No, I, I, I think be curious. I, I like that. It's such a wide subject that we're still learning about. So yeah, be curious. Awesome. Val? No, no, just be careful. Um, obviously, there's a lot of um, new committees starting out there around responsible AI. So I'm, I'm hopefully joining one, which I can reveal soon. And, um, you know, regulation is important too. Uh, we can't just give every kid a gun in school. You know, we need to we need to regulate it and control um, our own privacy and just be aware that um, whilst you may, might 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 think it's fun, don't 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 do anything illegal. <laughs> <laughs> so there Spoken you have it. Experience. Yeah, exactly. There you have it. <laughs> amazing, amazing way to end. Be curious and be careful, right? So brilliant. Yeah, but. But ultimately, you know, go, go out there, have a play and um, let us know what you think. So, folks, that is all the time we have for this episode. Um, but remember, if you do like what you hear, please do help us pay it forward by sharing a link to this episode on your favorite social media. Once again, a massive thank you to you for listening to us um, talking shit for an hour or so. Um, hopefully it wasn't <laughs> too much shit um, and you come back for more. Um, but from us, we say stay safe. Keep being disruptive and have fun doing it. From me, Val, and Martin, it's bye for now. Project Shadow supports and is a member of Zero Construct. Zero Construct is a new working group that wants to lower carbon construction. Not everyone will be aware, but construction contributes to around 12 to 15% of total carbon emissions. This is a staggering amount and we need to reduce it. We are a growing community of people that want to help make this change. Everyone is welcome, whether you're an engineer, contractor, or consultant. You just need to want to make a difference. Our aim is to grow a network of experts so we can all learn from each other and make a positive impact in the places where we work. We'll do this by sharing knowledge and making it accessible in engaging ways. To join us and find out more, please visit zeroconstruct.com and register as a member. Thank you, and we look forward to speaking with you soon. more information, blogs, or to support our charities, visit projectchatterpodcast.com. And if you would like to sponsor the podcast, get in touch via our website. You can also leave us a voice message via our anchor page and let us know if there's something or someone specific that you would like on the podcast.
views, thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the participating individuals and not necessarily to the individual's employer, organisation, committee or other group or individual. Additionally, any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organisation, company or individual.